We acknowledge traditional owners of the lands on which we recorded these episodes and their elders past and present. This is Graduate in the USA, here to help Australian students take advantage of the many opportunities to study at US colleges and universities. to everyone. Welcome to the Graduate in the USA podcast. I'm Anna Martz. I'm the Education USA Branch Chief in the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs at the U.S. Department of State. As a U.S. diplomat, I've worked at the U.S. embassies in Bern, Yaoundé, New Delhi, and twice in Washington, D.C. in the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs. I joined the Education USA team after three years as the Deputy Cultural Affairs Officer at the U.S. Embassy in London in the United Kingdom. I'm a graduate of the Honors College at the University of Houston, and my undergraduate experience at U of H was absolutely enriched by international students with whom I studied and I lived and I worked for four years. I am thrilled to introduce and thank Ambassador Jeffrey Bleich for joining our podcast. Before we start drilling into the subject at hand, I'd like to highlight a few of his very many accomplishments. Uh, Ambassador Bleich, uh, his college's experiences include Amherst College, where he graduated with a bachelor's of arts degree in political science. At Harvard University, he graduated with a master's degree in public policy. And at the University of California, Berkeley School of Law, where he received his JD. Uh, Ambassador Bleich joined the White House in March 2009 as special counsel to President Barack Obama and was appointed U.S. Ambassador to Australia, where he served from 2009 to 2013. An ambassador is the president's highest ranking representative whose key role is to coordinate foreign service officers and staff, including Education USA staff. Ambassador Bleich served on the board of trustees for California State University and was appointed to the board of Amherst College in 2017. He's also an adjunct professor at the University of Sydney's United States Studies Center. In 2018, Flinders University in Adelaide established the Jeff Bleich Center in recognition of his work in digital technology, security, and governance. Ambassador Bleich currently serves on the Flinders University Center's advisory board and is a member of the faculty. Your generosity in joining us today, I know, will be insightful as we discuss the podcast topic, Australian Students Are Welcome Here, Choose America. Mr. Ambassador, welcome. Oh, well, thanks, Anna, and thanks for that lovely introduction. It's, um, I'm going to have to get a copy of this recording so my sister can hear it. You, know, <laughs> she, she won't believe any of that stuff about me. So, thank you. Well, before you and I kind of drill down into this topic, um, let me briefly introduce listeners to Education USA. Education USA is this U.S. Department of State's network of educational advising centers that provide accurate, comprehensive, and current information about opportunities to study at accredited post-secondary institutions in the United States. 
Education USA supports prospective international students as they research and apply to U.S. higher education institutions. Education USA is just one of the many, many programs at the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, and our bureau is just a small, small part of the larger U.S. government efforts on international education. So with that, let's kick off our discussion in our chat, Ambassador. As you know, people-to-people ties between Australia and the United States are very strong. Before the pandemic, nearly 5,000 Australians were studying in the United States, and more than 8,000 Americans studied in Australia every year. Australia consistently ranks uh, among the top five countries, um, sending student-athletes to the NCAA, and they have very strong participation in other athletic associations as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I'd love to hear uh, based on your experience in Australia. Yeah, no, I uh, thanks for the question, Anna. I, I lived in Australia, obviously, for four years when I was U.S. ambassador there, and my family came with me. So I, I got to know a lot of Australian high school students because they were in our house <laughs> every day. <laughs> and I think the one of the things you discover just watching your kids and seeing um, them acclimate to a new country is what bonds people. And there's just a natural affinity between Australians and Americans. I think the only group that's more popular in the world than Americans in Australia are Australians in the U.S. People love Australians, love their sense of humor, love their sense of adventure, love their intellectual curiosity, love their what we consider accents. <laughs> so there's a genuine affection. And I think you know, some, some values that define us in terms of um, giving people a fair go and uh, wanting everyone to have an opportunity to succeed and be the best version of themselves that they can be. Everyone's got a fair chance. I, I really love how you put that about being the best you you can be. International education opens up a world that you never thought. And it's great. You know, you're right. Australians definitely share a lot of our values. They have that um, great sense of humor, the commitment to hard work. And kind of you said that that wanderlust, that um, desire to seek out opportunities. Yeah. Well, my, my fifth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Taylor, I think would be very surprised to have learned that I became a U.S. ambassador. <laughs> um, you know, she was actually one of those teachers who changes your life um, and really gave me uh, a new appreciation for learning and education and um, how much bigger and interesting the world is um, if, you, if you give yourself a few tools to understand it. And, and that's really uh, the, the gift of education. It just it unlocks your mind and um, opens the world up to you. I'm sure during your time in Australia, um, you really sought interest from young Australians um, and young people around the region. Um, I think it's useful now to talk a little bit about um, the different pathways um, that international students can choose. There's nearly 4,000 accredited U.S. institutions um, in the United States, and sometimes it can be challenging to find the best fit. What would your advice be to to a young person listening to this conversation? Yeah, well, you know, my wife and I have three kids, and they all went through this. And two of them graduated from high school in Australia. And so we're making precisely these sorts of decisions. And uh, some of it is trying to decide where you are most comfortable and also where you want to stretch. What discomfort do you want to experience? Being further from home I think can be uncomfortable in some ways. It takes you away from some of your support networks, but it also is going to give you 
this great adventure. And so if you're pining for adventure, you know, you want to go a little further from home. Uh, do you want to be in a big institution or a small institution? Do you want to be in a public university? Do you want to be in a more of a, a private school? Are you interested in a particular subject? And is that what um, you're looking for is schools that have a, have a specialty in that area? Are there people that you know who have had great experiences in life? And can they help you think about what their choices were and what they looked for? Those are the kind of questions you want want young people asking themselves as they're going into this process. The thing that I love about the U.S. education system is we've got all of it. And one of the appeals of attending school in the U.S. is that diversity of experience. I'm so glad that you talked a little bit about those different types of schools and those different choices. The United States does have, as you say, so much to offer, and there's so much diversity here in terms of higher education institution selections. As you said, you could do four-year private school, a four-year public school. There's lots of postgraduate options. One thing I think you, you were uh, alluding to when you mentioned kind of career-focused programs, there's so many community colleges in the United States that offer two-year programs. Um, you can get an associate's degree. You can turn that into a four-year degree by transferring. And one thing that I would like to ask you about, I know that you are very well-connected and interested in the Fulbright program. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the Fulbright program and what Fulbright could offer young Australians? Yeah, no, the Fulbright program, it is kind of the embodiment of the things that I think education can provide to improve people's lives. Because it was um, designed after the end of World War II. There was all this surplus military equipment lying around. And um, a senator from Arkansas said, you know, what we should do with this, uh, this scrap material and, and unused um, military equipment is to sell it off um, and use that money to actually uh, create a condition where people don't go to war as much, um, where we can train people to understand other countries and people from different lands and eliminate the conditions that lead to war. So the, the notion behind Fulbright was to uh, create a massive uh, educational exchange program particularly in countries that had been adversaries in, in World War II. It's an exchange program, so it goes both ways. It's not just one country going to another or citizens of one country going to another. The way I think about it is, you know, we're basically saying to another country, um, send us your best and brightest, and we will, um, we will give them good homes. We will set them up with our finest minds at our best universities. We'll care for them as if they were our own children, and we'll return them to you safely and, um, and, and better for the experience, and we trust that you'll do the same with our children. It's a powerful message, and I think it has um, been transformational over the last 70 years. I totally agree. I wonder what your thoughts are on why international students are so valuable to a U.S. college or university? How do they benefit? Why are they valuable to the institution's fabric, if we want to put it that way? Yeah. You know, we're a globalized world, and people use that term uh, without really unpacking what that means. But it means that everything, every scrap of information um, can, can beam around the world at the speed of light. And so we are 
communicating at internet speed around the world. We're seeing in real time what's happening in, in the lives of people who we would have never been exposed to before. And that's both positive and negative. So we can spread great things around the world. We can also spread misinformation around the world. We can spread pandemics around the world. But we can also spread the cure for pandemics around the world. It's just we are all interrelated and interdependent. And if you're going to be a successful university, if you're going to educate people for the world in which they're about to embark, then you have to be able to draw from all those different perspectives and have people prepared for understanding cultural differences and finding ways to abridge those divides. And I think you are not properly educating young people if you don't create an environment in which they're getting to meet representatives of every part of humanity from all over the world and from every different racial, ethnic, social, whatever class there uh, exists. Studying together, working together, living together on a on a university campus, it really does establish um, you know those lasting bonds. Um, it encourages us to work together. It, it could be the the basis of a future business you know venture or a scientific innovation, diplomatic relations. Even there's many many examples of foreign leaders who study in the United States and when they leave and go back to their home countries and are public servants and leaders of their nation, those friendships that they make here in the United States last a lifetime. And over time, those people-to-people -people ties, like we were talking earlier, certainly between Australia and the United States, they get even stronger over time. Those students become our future leaders who promote our mutual peace, our mutual security, innovation, business, trade, all over the world. You know, another... Um, question I'd like to ask you about is um, you've gone to three schools yourself and have a bachelor's and a master's and a JD. Um, and so you've seen a lot of different systems and different schools. And I'd like to hear what you think about what makes the U.S. higher education system so unique. What makes U.S. institutions unique to you? Well, I think it's helpful for any student who's thinking about going on to college to realize that Every person they have met who's a college graduate was in their position at one point. We always tend to think of people as like having whatever whatever position they're in now is how they've always been. I was much more of an athlete than I was a student uh, until around fifth grade when I just had the right kind of teacher and she saw some uh, potential in me. And one thing led to another and I managed to do well in my studies in high school, and I got offered a scholarship at Amherst, but I'd never been to a place like Amherst. <laughs> With, you know, it was a private school, it was small, and, um, but it was just right for me. I mean, it was, yeah, I really got to know my teachers. I, it's a very intimate setting for learning. For me, I think I would have gotten lost in a large institution, but a small one was perfect for me. Then, uh, while I was there, I had a, um, a professor who seemed to think I had a knack for public policy. And so he encouraged me to apply to the Kennedy School and went there. Over time, what you need and what's available, you know, changes. But um, having a rich set of options out there allows you to, to meet whatever your life choices are, whatever trade-offs you need to make, as well as you change as a person and what you're capable of handling changes over time as well. You know, it, talking about 
your college experiences. It's, you know, making me think back to mine, some of the you know, challenges, but also some of the really good times um, that uh, that I had as a student. Can you talk a little bit about what experiences you had either as an undergraduate or a graduate student or a law student that have really stayed with you since you left uh, and since you graduated and, and, and that you carry with you today? It's a great question. I think, you know, probably I think a little bit more about law school because it was more recent, but I had um, a couple of things that happened that sort of stay with me over time. One was uh, as a law student, you know, I'd been out of out of high school for a while at that point. That was my third degree, and I was anxious to make a contribution in the world. And um, there was no legal clinic, um, and so we created one. We created uh, East Bay uh, Community Law Center, which was a legal clinic where you could get law students who knew just enough um, <laughs> to be helpful to provide free legal advice to people who were who were in need of help. And while I was learning, I was actually applying that skill and, and giving back to the community. And I wanted to pay it back or pay it forward. You know, I get to thinking about some of the my coworkers, I guess, at school, my fellow students in school. I used to work as a tutor at a tutoring center on my campus at the University of Houston. And um, I tutored, you know, mostly foreign languages. I, I was a French major. And I remember walking into that tutoring center the first day. Um, I'd never met anyone from India before. I remember just being so um, overwhelmed at how far away from home they were, still how passionate they were about helping their fellow students. And they would um, sacrifice a lot of that time to be able to help their fellow students understand a concept, help them write a paper. And being so far away from home, I remember thinking how strong they were and how um, how brave they were to, to put themselves out there. And I'm very impressed by you and your colleagues' um, initiative to help those less fortunate, even as students, you said. That's a really great story. And I I love that you had that opportunity and that you shared your knowledge with others and you shared your, your gift with others. Um, that's a really wonderful thing to be able to do, even as a student. One of the things we did after, um, after I became a lawyer mm -hmm. is we started going back into schools. So we've created these things called law academies. A lot of times it's hard to appreciate the value of an education unless you're applying it to something because it just seems too theoretical when you're in a classroom. And so we will we'll teach a whole set of classes, but we'll connect them to the law. So um, for English class, you'll read To Kill a Mockingbird. And in math class, you know, you'll sort of work out uh, the probabilities of something having, having happened and who would be responsible for it and what the damages would be. And you actually come up with the numbers that help you solve a problem. And what we found is with students there, the students who were who were doing you know poorly at a school and were struggling, suddenly their grades skyrocketed because that education became more relevant to them. And so for me, I had the same experience. I was in law school and I was learning, you know, a lot of Latin words and torch feeser and you know stuff. I didn't, I had no idea what these things were. And then you go into a room and someone's trying to solve a real problem in their life, and you suddenly appreciate the tools that you have to um, help them. It, it's the best feeling you can have. I always tell my kids, you know, um, you know, just be honest, don't be mean, and be useful. 
And there's something great about being useful. Let a friend or student know about the podcast. There are many opportunities for young Australians to study in the USA. Connect with us by searching for Education USA Australia in your browser or the episode notes in your podcast app. Let's get back to this episode with Anna Martz and Ambassador Bleich. You know, I'd like to turn it back now a little bit to um, to our, our listeners, uh, young young Australians who maybe want to go to the United States and maybe they're thinking about it right now as, as we're having this conversation. You know, if you had a room full of Australian students in front of you, as I imagine you did in the past when you were in Australia, what would your main point to them be? What would you want them to walk away from that conversation with in, in their minds? So if you're thinking about going to school in the United States, um, you can go to any kind of school you want. You will be you know, welcomed here. Um, you can have everything that you get in Australia, but with better Mexican food. So I think that would probably be my my main uh, <laughs> selling point. <laughs> I love Australia, and my children received a, a tremendous education. But uh, for them, it was a great compliment to their uh, their secondary education in in Australia uh, to go on for post secondary school in the United States. They felt better prepared because of the the training they got in Australia. They felt that adding that dimension and really understanding the world through the international lens that you develop at these United States institutions, which as I said, are are very globalized, um, was just just ideal. And better Mexican food. (laughs) So Ambassador, you said a couple of times already when when you were in Australia, you know, you had your own kids who were high school students who graduated high school. And so you went through this process as well that many parents of our listeners are going through now. Well, with my child wants to study here or there, or this school or that school. As a parent, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your own thought process? Yeah, no, <laughs> I I remember those days very well. I think the scariest days for parents, dropping your child off for school the very first time, the first time they start driving, and then when they're getting ready to go off to school. For one thing, it, it can feel like an overwhelming um, process and you're worried about you know, them doing well and, uh, and and you want to be close to some extent. I think kind of manage the process for them. But the thing that you learned, particularly by the time I got to my third child, is that your kids are going to find the right school for them. Um, and what you can do for them that is most helpful is to broaden their range, not try and narrow it. Um, let them go wherever they want to go, experience every kind of school, um, visit big schools, visit small schools, go to rural and big cities. They'll, they'll, they'll find it. They'll feel it in their gut, what, what feels right for them. And, you know, don't apply judgment about, oh, this is, this is a more prestigious school than that because I saw that in a magazine. When I was at the Cal State system, we have 23 campuses. Every one of those schools had students who would have done just as well at Harvard or Yale or any of the other kind of more famous schools. There is wonderful talent everywhere, and people come to different schools for different reasons, but they find themselves if they're given the opportunity to do that. Um, And so the wider the net you allow them to cast and the more you encourage them to go to schools they've never even heard of, uh, the more likely it is that they'll they'll find that 
right home. So let them, you know, let them fly. They'll, they'll come back. They'll come back. That's great advice for for the parents out there. And we, we've talked a lot about the diversity of U.S. institutions, the diversity of um, U.S. higher education options. Um, how can Education USA Australia help our young Australian listeners? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that is part of what Education USA does it, is it provides these resources. And so you can learn a lot from the websites and that sort of thing, but there are also, you know, individuals uh who are who are on the ground in your country who are able to take you through the various options and help answer some of those questions that I was uh describing earlier. Uh you know, uh, if you want to focus on urban or rural schools, if you want to focus on large or small, if you're focused on a particular specialty or um, uh, a, a field of study, uh, they can help guide you on that, but they can also guide you on the various ways to pay for it and to come up with some way that you can attend the kind of school you want to in the United States. Thank you. That's got great advice and great um Absolutely right. Um, Education USA Australia, um, we have a great team there that uh, stands ready to, to engage with students and guide them on that you know, educational journey, their academic journey. And these days, we certainly have um, the power of technology at our fingertips. I think I'd like to add to what you say and encourage students to um, make really great use of the information that's out there on the internet. Um, of course, to... Um, practice good media literacy skills and make sure that the information that you're looking at is accurate, you know, comprehensive. And I think that um, the, the whole world um, can be opened up to those students and the whole world of U.S. education, you know, higher education choices um, is right there at their fingertips. Uh, and I hope that our audience who's listening, get on your phones, get on your, your computers and um, find your nearest Education USA Center and um, speak to one of our advisors. Um, they are there ready to help you make probably one of the most important decisions of your life and are very happy to do it. And I'd love to end this conversation as a student. Can you think of a, a memory that you'd like to share? Well, uh, I can think of a couple of a couple of stories from um, Amherst. One was uh, the day that I was introduced to it, and then um, the other one was um, later on when I had a when I had a challenge there. So the first one was when I was uh, I, I I didn't really know Amherst College, um, and I'd been looking at other schools. I had a friend who was going there, and I got to the campus, and I just I just had a great feeling. I just felt you know this sense of peace, <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, maybe it's just I had a good breakfast or it's, you know, a beautiful day today, that kind of thing. But people I met were, you know, they were smiling. They seemed to really, and I didn't see people walking alone. I saw people walking in groups and talking to each other and just seemed like there was a real community there. And I went into this one classroom and um, I opened the door and I was looking in and the person came up behind me and he was a, he was the professor. He said, are you uh, are you looking for my class? And I said, No, I'm 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 just here with a friend who's um, going to apply to Amherst. And he said, Well, come on in. You can sit in, and uh, class is going to start in five minutes. So I walked in with the professor, and there was one student who was already there. He was lying on top of a table with a book on his head, and he looked like he was sleeping there. 
And um, professor said, um, hey, Brian, you're learning a lot down there? <laughs> and Brian goes, osmosis. You know, he was like absorbing it through the book um, <laughs> in his sleep. And uh, I thought, you know, this is the kind of place where invited me right in, uh, knew the student by name, could joke with each other. This is something I was looking forward to having in my life. Um, first time I lived away from home. And then I think later on, when I was there, I um, I, I, I played sports and I um, had always been defined, at least in my own mind, as a football player. And uh, I busted my knee um, playing football. It was my freshman year. And um, I didn't know if I'd be able to play football again. And I was pretty, you know, just sad and it, it it wasn't just that I couldn't play. I mean, I kind of lost, felt like I lost my identity. There was a friend who was on the crew team, and he said, you know, one good way to, you know, build your leg back up is to row crew. It's um, And it's fun. And, you know, you can rehab and also learn a new sport. And I became part of the crew team. And this thing that I thought was a terrible thing in my life became one of the great things in my life because when you're my age, you know, you, you can't play football anymore. You know, none of my none of, none of my friends want to go out and get tackled. Um, but I still go out there and row with the um, same group of people, and it created a lifelong bond. So uh, for me, the the issue was that when you're in the right environment, even the bad things work out, and it gives you a certain confidence about the rest of your life, that you've got some basic tools, you've got some some friends, you've got a network, you've got a support system. And even when a disappointment comes to you, uh, it's going to open another door that'll work out okay. Thank you. I, I'd love to thank you, uh, Ambassador Blythe, for your generosity and your time and your willingness to share your, um, your thoughts with our listeners on studying in the United States. You can't change the world every day, but you can change someone's world every day. And you get someone in the right school, you change their world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Graduate in the USA. On the next episode, How to Research and Find Your Best Fit College, hear from Samantha Juster, Public Engagement Officer, and Australian Liam Dean Johnson, now at NYU. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and share the show with a friend or high school student who you think is interested in doing their tertiary studies in the USA. If you have any questions and want to get in touch with Education USA, search for Education USA Australia in your browser. Projects take a team. Thanks to all of our supporters of this podcast series, but a special thanks to all at US Public Affairs Australia, Tim Johnson, Samantha Juster, Gabrielle Canellan, the Education USA Network, and of course, our session guests, who without them, this series is not possible. This is Samantha Jackson, and thanks for joining us in Graduate in the USA.